Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Do you feel us in the room with you or the car? You're probably not in a car. You're probably in a room. Do you feel us there? A lot of people talking about the lack of sort of physical intimacy in these trying times. Mm -hmm. And I do not want to cross any boundaries. But I just want to say we're right there in the room with you. Hey, who's that attractive couple over in the corner in the beanbag chair? Listen to you. (laughs) (laughs) Who's that? Hold on. Who's that sexy, tight-bodied, hilarious couple? Who's that muscular man over there with that stunning woman? (laughs) Who's that (laughs) hot-bodied, sexual... This is wonderful. This is a show where we talk about things that are good, things that we like, things that we're into. Um, and, you know, we want to be there for you in a way that is socially responsible. Uh, and that's why we do what we freaking do, man. Yes. You don't need a mask for your ears to listen to this show unless that's what you call ear headphones. And that's a thing I've been trying to think of a good way of saying that for a long time. Uh-huh. I think it still needs work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, don't give up. I never, ever do. And how are you doing? How's your heart and your spirit and your soul? You know, it changes hour to hour. Right now, I feel good. I feel great right now. Yeah. I felt like dog shit earlier yeah in the week but now i feel like a million bucks there are no longer good days or bad days there are like good hours and bad hours for me oh no for me it's not good days and bad days it's like fucking apocalyptic into the world (laughs) days and then like pretty good i want to you know yeah do some swing dancing hug a tree i want to well no but i mostly the i want to listen to zuzu riot That's where I get why I'm in it. Do you have any small wonders? I do. And I forgive me if we've talked about this before, but I want to say pesto. Huh. Interesting. Pesto. The, have we talked about pesto? Oh, I don't think so. Uh, the, it's, the, it's the ideal form that like vegetation can enter your body in, I uh-huh. think. You know what I mean? Yeah. Above any cooked vegetables and above eating grass, a pesto is it, man. Yeah. I mean, you can make a lot of different kinds of pesto. Mm. Um, what we have been digging on lately is uh, the basil kind, you know, with, with the nuts in it and the Parmesan cheese. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, it just like, it makes everything feel fancy, I feel like. Yeah. You know, like, well, for example, we've been, you know, hitting it on the pasta lately. Um, you know, you could just, you could put a red sauce on it, but ho-hum, why not, why not a pesto? That's, that's a fancy I lo- meal. I love a good red sauce. You make a killer red sauce, but yeah, occasionally you want to mix it up with some green because mm-hmm. the color's different. Yeah. I'm going to say the video that we saw, uh, that our friend Anna posted on, on Twitter of, uh, it's at, it's at a Twista concert, uh, and Twista wraps very quickly. A very, very expedient rapper. And uh, there is a video of an ASL interpreter on stage just fucking fucking dropping it. Just the best in the biz. uh, Like Twist is doing a verse that is just like, you know, very twisty, extremely, extremely, extremely fast. And just seeing this woman like ASL it like yeah so fucking quick but not just like it's not even like frantic and fast like it's still like smooth as fuck like it's still like to the beat and like choreographed and she's like kind of bouncing to it it is 
the best like I love, thing. There's this moment where he just like literally goes and stands next to her and just watches her. And the audience and is so powerful. It. The audience is like <laughs> losing it. It's so so good. I wish yeah. I could. Uh, I don't really know what. To, if you Google ASL interpreter Twista, yeah, you'll sure. probably get there. I yeah. highly recommend watching this video. It is uh, it's a beautiful, so thing. fucking fresh. I think I've seen stuff with her before. I feel bad that I cannot remember her name. Uh, but she's like a she's known for like. Uh, doing ASNL, ASL at uh, concerts like this and like being adding a sort of musical sort of like rhythmic uh, uh, flair to it, which yeah. I'm sure she's not the only one doing it, but like she's the one who I've like seen do it. But watching her keep up with Twista is like fucking amazing. Yes. It's so good. Uh, I, I don't know who goes first because we kind of got off uh, our usual schedule with our self-care sedan last week. Thank you. So, we got so much fan art of our self-care oh, sedan. <laughs> so awesome. Uh, yeah, I don't think we knew... Uh, we were a little not confident in that episode because we were a little sort of down in the dumps, but um, I'm glad that people hopped in, hopped in the whip with us. So why don't you go first? Okay. Uh, my first topic is uh, dance movies. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Movies with the dancing. This is, at first blush, a fairly broad category. Yeah. Okay. No, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down into kind of two distinct groups. Obviously, there's the movie musical. Right. Which often will have dancing, particularly like West Side Story in Chicago, where dancing is really a prominent feature. Yes. And then there's the movies in which the characters dance because they are either trying to be better dancers or are trained dancers. Okay. In the films. Right. Uh, I'm going to primarily talk about those. Oh, okay. Interesting. So not a break into electric boogaloo, but more of a dirty dancing. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. Yes. Um, I I have a real long list um, of, you know, Teen Vogue did a list of like the best dance movies. Okay. Uh, and I realized I've seen a lot of them, okay. like more than half. <laughs> you enjoy uh, a dance. You turned me on to, uh, what is it? Not America's Next. So You Think You Can Dance. Yeah. So You Think You Can Dance, dance, uh-huh. dance. You were big into that show. The brilliance of Travis Wall. Travis Wall makes a good dance. And yeah. uh, I don't think I really appreciated the form of it or how much you uh, appreciated the form of it until we watched I, that show I together. I am somebody, I took dance classes from like age three to like age 17. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not particularly good. Uh, I'm That's not, not true. I'm not asking you to agree or disagree on this. I, I get very in my head about it. So when I was learning choreography, I'm very much like focused on like, is that the right hand or the left hand, the left foot? Does the left foot go first? Does it go bef- in front of the right foot? Does it go behind the right foot? That's so interesting. It like really trips me up a little bit. Because when, when I watch you play like a dance central, yeah. you're... You're all you're just elbows and knees just sort of flailing around, but like <laughs> you at a wedding, like having fun, <laughs> yeah. like you're so fun to dance with. Yeah, like, choreography kind of trips me up a little bit. Um, I, I just I get very focused on like you know doing it precisely, which right. is never a good recipe for dance. No. <laughs> um, and uh, there was a kind of a golden age of dance movies that I will say is like. 2000 to 2006 maybe not a very long golden era yeah well so i what really brought me to this category is center stage oh wow i don't know that i've seen center stage the peter gallagher film yeah no i know he's in it mm-hmm. um and so it's a it's a crying shame i haven't watched it it's it's like a super like it, it came out in 2000 this is like a super late 90s movie though there's like a lot of like 
late 90s fashion, like a lot of wedge shoes, a lot of sweaters around the waist. Uh, upon further investigation, I'm willing to put like 2000 to 2003 in the late 90s. Okay. Because we really <laughs> we had not stepped it the fuck up yet, really. Um, largely that movie, not particularly, um, great, but a lot of professional dancers in it. Oh, okay. Like the cast is largely people who like actually worked with ballet companies. Uh, and also a young Zoe Saldana. Oh. Yeah. She actually had dance background, um, was not obviously a professional dancer, later became a very successful professional actress. Yes, yes. Um, but like pretty much everybody else in the cast, like actually were like, principal dancers in like San Francisco and New York and and so it's just like a really impressive film. Is it your favorite of the dancing movies? Oh see that's hard to say. Oh yeah. That's hard to say. Um another movie I enjoy came out just a year later called Save the Last Dance. I know this one. <laughs> with the Julia Styles. Yeah. Has she was she in other dancing movies? Uh, so th- she believes that her table dancing in 10 Things I Hate About You is what landed her uh, the role okay. in Save the Last Dance. I always think of her as being uh, somebody who is in a lot of dance movies. But yeah, I think it was- she, it's, the, the internet is conflicted as to whether or not she has professional training. Wow. Um, <laughs> this is like a Mandela effect thing. I think part of it is that she probably just took dance classes kind of informally. Right. And that is her training. Um, there's also a suggestion of whether or not she did her own dancing in the film. Okay. Um, she Is says CGI she did. like the Ally McBeal baby. Is <laughs> well, that what it was? The only thing that she has claimed or like accepted that she did not do is like the point scenes where she's up on her toes. She said they used to stand in for that. God, that man, that would hurt. <laughs> I know there's people that really enjoy watching ballet, and I don't. I have nothing against the craft, except to say that when I do see them standing on their yeah. tippy 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 tippies, uh, I can't. It's hard to look at that because I think about just sort of the bones in there and yeah. what 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 real troopers there be. <laughs> yeah, I always I always wanted to do it. My little community dance classes, it was kind of like a an offshoot of like, hey, if you want to be doing this on point, you can do it. Uh, but it was never really pushed because the shoes are expensive and it's very difficult. And the toes are expensive. Yes. <laughs> the toe meat and the bones in there, they're quite pricey. Uh-huh. Uh so Save the Last Dance, again, like not not an incredible film. The choreographer for it, um, Fatima Robinson, has done choreography for Michael Jackson, Aaliyah, Mary J. Blige, Black Eyed Peas, Megan Trainor. Uh, she's pretty like illustrious. So the yeah. choreography is really good. Um, she also did choreography for The Wiz and Dreamgirls. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So she's pretty accomplished. Yeah, I'll say. Uh, so that's so that's two thousand two thousand one. Um, there are films I haven't seen like Honey and Step Up. Mm. Uh, that came out in in two thousand three two thousand six. Step Up was the sort the of launch pad for, for the Channing Tatum. Okay, yes. and Jenna. Do on yes, yeah. Who has the dance show that we've watched too? Oh God, that's right. Yeah, that I can never remember the name of. Yeah, I can't either. The premise of the show is that uh, people go on a blind date, but the blind date is just dance choreography that they have learned individually and now have to do together. Yeah. And then they decide if they want to go on a second date after their dance performance. It's something else. (laughs) It's really something else. Um, And another uh, film I haven't seen, um, I haven't seen Magic Mike. I have seen Magic Mike XXL. Oh, God. Speaking of Channing Tatum. 
That movie whips ass. It's so, so good. good. So good. Um, Channing Tatum, I looked him up because, you know, he he's become quite well known for his dancing ability from what i can tell he does not have any real dance training Hmm. he just kind of leaned into it that that gives me hope huh he's just a powerful man yeah uh there are a lot of other films uh, a lot of documentaries about dancing a lot of american adaptations of international films I, i i love it yeah i love it so much it's so fun to watch it's such a nice like athletic component of a film and to be able to act on top of that is just always a, it's it's charming. Would you watch Break into Electric Boogaloo with me? If I could find it digitally. I bet it's on YouTube somewhere. I mean, are the dance performances remarkable? Do you like like B-boy shit? Sure. Then yeah. Okay. You're going to enjoy it. I would watch it. There's some Now should I watch the first Break in? You kind of have to. Okay. It sets up the whole cinematic universe. <laughs> I've never actually seen the first Break in. Okay. We bought uh, me and my friend Justin Minsker bought uh Break into Electric Boogaloo on DVD. He may have gotten it for me for, for like a present or something like that, but it was like a joke because the name of the movie is so outrageous. Uh-huh. And then we watched it and we were like, <laughs> it's so silly. Let's watch it immediately again. <laughs> There's a part where somebody like has a like a first kiss with somebody that they are into and then they go into this room and they start dancing and then they start walking on the walls and dancing on the walls and dancing on the ceiling in this like completely uncut just like dancing all over the wow. walls of this room thing that's like uh yeah. it's it is hypnotic. I mean just quickly I want to mention obviously there's you know Footloose and oh, yeah. Dirty Dancing and Black Swan and any number of other Dance films, too many to mention. I would argue Black say. Swan is maybe not mostly about the True. choreography. There and is dance some itself. incredible dancing in it. Sure. Not as lighthearted as, say, a dirty dancing. Yeah. Um, my first thing is just as sort of, um, sort of uh, artistically enriching. Uh, a, a piece of content as uh, dance-based videos, especially one of just sort of like uh, ballet and really smart stuff like that. Uh, my first topic is pressure washing videos. Oh, satisfying. Yes, for sure. I didn't actually check to make sure we have not talked about this before. We really need to get better about that. Uh-oh. Oh, no. <laughs> I typed pressure into wonderful.fyi and it got a result. I was like, oh, shit. But it was uh, under pressure. The song. <laughs> We've not talked about pressure washing before. Isn't it sad that like I kind of thought that that is the type of thing that we have for sure talked about before. <laughs> anyway, um, I, you know, my algorithms are fucking garbage at this point. <laughs> uh, it's all like at this point it is uh, like Final Fantasy 14 walkthrough videos almost exclusively. And also there's like a side category of just some shit. And well, the, Chef the, Club. Don't forget about Chef Club. Well, that's in Facebook. I'm talking about specifically like YouTube. Oh, okay. uh, Facebook, Facebook, I do get. So Facebook, it's still like we made a table out of reclaimed wood and resin. And doesn't it kind of look like a river? Or we made uh, some sort of weird hot dog cake. <laughs> Enjoy that. I don't even see pictures of like kids, like my friend's kids anymore. Now it's, exclu- <laughs> it's exclusively resin tables and hot dog cakes, like mm-hmm. all the way down. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, pressure washing videos is just sort of the latest chapter in my uh, g- garbage video feed. Should we mention that we have never pressure washed? I've never pressure washed anything. Here's the thing about pressure washing. I find videos of pressure washing very um, 
hypnotic, might I even say seductive. The power of pressure washing videos really, really uh, uh, enraptures me. If you're not uh, aware, pressure washing is... I, I, the technology of it is a little bit beyond me, but from what I understand, this machine forces a tremendous amount of water through a very, you know very when small you put cavity. Your thumb over a hose. Yes, it's like that times, times an infinity. Times a lot. <laughs> uh, and you point that at a driveway, and it cleans the ever-loving shit out of that driveway. Yeah. Um, and or you know, insert whatever here, anything that has deep deep baked on grime dirt stuff that i don't even know what the fuck like you, you look at a driveway you sweep it and you're like that driveway's clean and then you bring in a pressure washer and yeah. the pressure washer's like no idiot you're only seeing <laughs> the like layers of dead driveway skin that are on top of that and when i remove that it's going to it's going to elevate it it's got a whole you. different hue I'm a little scared of it myself. Yes. I like watching other people do it, but I am perpetually worried that anything that we pressure wash would crumble. Explode. Yeah. Well, our, our house has uh, some stucco siding on it. That, it's a little nasty. Like, I wish we could I wish we could just point a pressure washer right at it. But our realtor, when we bought the house, was like, don't do that. You will punch a hole in the fucking house <laughs> and it will collapse. Everybody's kind of afraid of a pressure washer. Yeah, yeah. I think if you pointed it at a car, it'll like strip the paint off. The, like, it, it, it's a tremendous amount of force. Yeah. But I'm all about, I feel like I've talked about this on the show before, like, I'm all about, like, the hidden, like, worlds of everyday sort of reality, uh, and there is nothing sort of more instantaneous uh, a, a revelation than a pressure washing video where you point it at a driveway, and you're like, I know what that driveway looks like, and then you just sort of sweep effortlessly, sweep this magic wand across it, and it's like, oh, shit. That's what that actually looks like. A big one for me is uh, the interiors of pools where you see oh. it and somebody could have just scrubbed the interior of this like pool that like sort of uh, um, synthetic like tiley material and then you spray it with the pressure washer and like I, I watched a video where I was like, oh, that's like a nice little aquamarine pool interior that somebody's done some real primo work on and then they just spray it and it's like, actually, it's a completely different sort of yes. thing and that was what was on there. There's a moment of terror of just like, what was on? I've been touching that. My car wheels have been touching that dirty ass driveway this whole time yeah my kids have been doing chalk drawings on that and it's just covered in <laughs> what tar and shit i don't know i think it is the magic wand element i think that's really what what speaks to us i i, I this bit is going to make you upset but there's a part of me that i think actually enjoys the concept of cleaning and things <laughs> being clean it is never, and it's never something that like I prioritize. Um, I'm so, you may not believe this. I'm better about it now. When I was like in college <laughs> oh, and living by myself, uh, it was a fucking disaster area. Like I am, I was okay with living in a level of filth that you would find absolutely jaw dropping. This, this, I think, point. here's here's a question. This is a good question. I, as I've become an adult, I'm not particularly clean, but I have lived with a lot of people that are not clean, and the biggest indicator I find is how often you wash your sheets. Um, yeah. When you ask somebody that, the answer they give you will tell you a lot about how clean they are. Yeah. For me, not never, never. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really. I'm okay with that. And if, I'm only like a once a month person. Like I'm not even, you know, particularly fastidious. 
That feels fastidious. I'm re- I'm really showing my hand quite a bit. If it, 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 I, for me, it needs to be a sort of vis- visible a uh-huh. clutter. If there's like a visible clutter, like my office right now is like on the precipice. Like I, I probably need to. There's just some shit laying on the floor. Like I, I would I would like to get rid of some of that. The sheets that like that has my stink and sweat and dead skin and whatever. Like I can't see that. I don't care. Um, I, I I just enjoy the sort of extreme home makeover transformation of just like it's like we have a new driveway, yes, Denise. Exactly. Uh, but also, I think that it's just you watch a pressure washing video, and there's a there's a grim part of your mind that is just fascinated by the dangerous raw power of the pressure yes, washing. There's yes. there is a respect. That's probably, that's, I think Poe, Edgar Allan Poe talked about that sort of macabre <laughs> fascination with pressure washers specifically. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I get served a lot of them these days. I get served also a lot of, uh, we're going to detail the shit out of this car, which is also uh, hilarious considering I've never had that done to no, a vehicle no, ever before. But it's, it, I like it. It's like a new thing. It's taking something and making it new. Mm-hmm. Can, speaking of which... Let's renew this podcast by pressure washing it with advertisements. Can I steal you away? Yes. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh, your time, yeah, you can do that. Also, anything is possible. That's um, th- for the commercial, the Super Bowl commercial they had. That was my voice yelling, "Anything is possible!" In the wow, background. yeah, not a lot of people know that. Hey, head to squarespace.com/slash/wonderfulpod for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use offer code WONDERFULPOD to save ten percent off your first purchase of a website or domain. Griffin, yeah, you know it's a shame. What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. 
So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. Can we talk about these Grammatrons? Yes. Here's one for Casserole, and it's from Kyrie, who says, Thanks for being a wonderful partner and even better friend. There's no one else I'd rather navigate life's chaos with. Here's to figuring things out, coping with some late-night Animal Crossing, and listening to our fave podcasts together. We got this. Can I tell you something embarrassing? Sure. I have never had or participated in a meteor shower in Animal Crossing. And part of that is I'm just not as committed to late night Animal Crossing as perhaps I should be. You are a real early, early worm. That's not the, what's, that's not what they call them. Once Nook's cranny closes, I'm You're like, done. see you tomorrow. <laughs> what's the point? <laughs> what are you going to do? Catch some bugs and sell them at an 80% loss? No, thanks. That's ridiculous. Uh, here, uh, you want to read the next one? Yeah, this is for Donna and Raphael. It is from Glitch. Donna, you and Raphael are the two most wonderful people in my life. You're always there for me, whether it's to comfort me while I cry or to kick my butt at games. You also feed me all the delicious food. I'm so glad you two got married and that I was there beside you when you said I do. I love you. That's so sweet. That is super sweet. But you gotta get your game, step it up, and come to my Griffin McElroy gamer camp. Oh my god! If you're getting your butt kicked at games, come to Griffin McElroy's Gamer Camp. I'll make you win at any videos games. It, I'm talking about Halo. Yeah. Super Mario Party. Yeah. Fucking. Zelda. The Zelda, Zelda. one. Zelda. Well, that doesn't typically have a multiplayer component, but Logical Island of the Zumbinis. Ooh. Chex Quest. Oh, is that? Cool spot. <laughs> any of these games that you're getting your ass whipped at. I got you. Come to Griffin MacRice Gamer Camp. It's uh, five. How many weeks? It's five hundred dollars. It's like a day. Oh, it's like an afternoon. <laughs> but we do provide lunch, which is Mountain Dew, which is just gamer fuel. Mountain Dew, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, Max Funsters, it's Jesse Thorne. This week on my public radio interview show Bullseye, I'm talking with Tina Fey and Robert Carlock about creating Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Thirty Rock and also just kind of why they're the best at everything. There was a window of time when we would just go to awards things and pick up our prizes and party with the people from Mad Men. You can find Bullseye at MaximumFun.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Bullseye with Jesse Thorne. Hey, what's your second thing? My second thing are Poet Laureate's. All of them? Just the whole the whole concept, the whole position. Of, of you're the best poet. Just the the honorary distinction itself. Is there a dance laureate? Because uh, to tie it back to your first point, is there ever like a thing where it's like somebody gets a medal and it's like, you are the country's best dancer? <laughs> well, that's not really what poet laureate is. Come on. But there should be a dance laureate. I agree with you on that. Yeah. Uh, I... You know, I've mentioned uh, the position of Poet Laureate a lot on this show because a lot of the poets I choose have received that distinction, Uh, but I didn't actually really know much about it. Uh, I just knew that it was a title you could get, and it was kind of like the kind of the biggest the biggest one you could get i clearly have just shown that i don't know fucking anything about Uh the position or its history yeah i had to do a little research because the concept seems 
crazy that yeah. like our government would prioritize poetry so much that there would be an, an official poet of the country and is as far as i know still kind of doing it like still yeah. they just named a new poet laureate fairly recently right Maybe I'm wrong, but like in this current uh, administration. There is, there's a 2019. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's strange to me. Yeah. Uh, so it actually started as kind of a continuation of what was happening in the UK. Um, this started in the US in 1937. Hmm. Um, it is a position that is appointed by the librarian of the United States Congress and serves less than a year, typically, although there have been poet laureates that have served longer than that. I say, try to kick me out of my poet laureate office. The position uh, does provide a stipend, and that stipend is $35,000 a year. (laughs) Hey, not bad. (laughs) Yeah, but you definitely can't live on that. No, but you're probably not... You know, you're not. You're probably not saying I am the. My job is poet laureate, right? Yeah. It's like a, an honor, a prize, or something. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is a an annual stipend that is uh, provided from a uh, existing kind of endowment. That's maybe why we're still doing poet laureates, uh-huh. is because thirty five thousand dollars <laughs> is not uh, a tremendous amount of money in the grand scheme of the federal budget. Uh, the the responsibilities of this position are pretty light, and each poet has kind of made it their own. All the poet laureate has to do is present an annual lecture, uh, and then they usually introduce poets at the library's poetry series. Hmm. Their their whole job is to just kind of increase uh, the greater appreciation of reading and writing poetry. Cool. I yeah, it's amazing that that is a thing. Isn't that amazing that that is still a thing? Um, so here's, here's a few poet laureates and kind of what they've done. Uh, Maxine Cuman, who I've mentioned, I believe on this show, uh, started a popular series of poetry workshops, uh, f- specifically for women. And then Gwendolyn Brooks met with elementary school students. She has a big presence in Chicago. Uh, I recognize the name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joseph Brodsky initiated the idea of providing poetry in airports, supermarkets, and hotel rooms. Okay. Robert Pinsky, who I've also mentioned, Mm -hmm. initiated the Favorite Poem Project. Uh, And then Billy Collins uh, did a Poetry 180 project that distributed a poem to all high schools for every day of the school year. Cool. Isn't that cool? Um, Before we move on, I just want to say the 2019 poet is Joy Harjo, who is the uh, first Native American woman to be appointed U.S. Poet Laureate. Uh, She is a performer. Actually, I don't know if you're, are you familiar with Brave New Voices? Yes. Uh, There was that and there's like Deaf Poetry Jam. Sure. These are all like performance poetry and you can find some uh, Joy Harjo poems. Back when my Facebook feed was, had any redeeming value at all, I used to see those pop up and I like watch this incredible (laughs) Brave New Voices performance Mm -hmm. um, before it was uh, pressure washing videos. So here's how Poet Laureate, um, really took off in the U.S. There's actually, you may recognize this name. In 1936, philanthropist Archer M. Huntington provided an endowment for the maintenance of a chair of poetry of the English language and Library of Congress. I mean, I recognize that the name is the same as the name of the city that I grew up in, but Uh he's not like the Huntington that people talk that people know. He is the adopted son of Collis P. Huntington. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. Fascinating. Collis P. Huntington, the founder of Huntington. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so he um, not only provided the endowment for this position, he was also a major benefactor of the American Academy of Arts and Letters, uh, contributed extensively to the Hispanic Society of America, 
uh, also founded the Brook Green Garden Sculpture Center in South Carolina, the Mariners Museum, uh, and um, was involved in the founding of Newport News, Virginia. Hot damn. Uh, that was established in the late 19th century, largely through the efforts of his adopted father, Collis P. Huntington. That's interesting. I had no idea that yeah, he was they, such I didn't a realize sort of they like... were like, they were just springing up cities all over the place. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's, it's really kind of surprising that this position exists. I enjoy that it does. I can't imagine any president would do away with it. I can imagine that. <laughs> I can absolutely imagine that. <laughs> Um, it almost kind of seems like this administration has maybe forgotten that the position exists yeah. and we're all just kind of <laughs> trying to like stay quiet about it. So maybe they don't remember. I hope this is something that continues. Yeah. Um, as you as you can see, some of the poets that have had this position have really done a lot of work of course. to kind of spread the awareness of poetry, which of course is something that I care about a lot. Yeah. Um, can I talk about my second thing? It'll probably be pretty quick, but I, I got very excited about it. Um, my second thing is aromatics, the things that smell good when you cook them. And they're the first things that you cook in most dishes. I don't think I appreciated aromatics or how common they were, uh, until I started to do cooking seriously. And once you do, it is so eye opening how every food has like the same two or three things in them. Uh, specifically onions. I remember the first time I had the realization, I think it was probably during like the, the you know, when we started doing Blue Apron. And I was like, man, I sure have been cutting up a lot of onions lately. <laughs> and then I was like, wait a minute. Every recipe in the whole universe has onions in it. That's yeah, if it is a savory dish, there, there are onions. Odds are it. it's got onions in it. But really, onion is an aromatic that is a very, very common one. Uh, but every sort of culture, every sort of like way of cooking has different base level aromatics that once you kind of like look at them on a, on a list, you really do realize why different cultures have food that tastes the way it does. And certainly like way smarter people than me can identify like why those became the aromatics. I'm sure like a lot of it has to do with geography and like what grows well in certain yeah, parts exactly. of the world. Um, but I find it very, very, very fascinating that just like when you think of these different um, these different cultures and the flavors that their food sort of like brings to the table, uh, no pun intended, it is be it is largely because of the really core DNA based stuff that goes in like virtually everything that uh, is 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 cooked in those cultures. Uh, so you want to talk about. French cooking, uh, the mirepoix, I believe is what it's called, is like the holy trinity of aromatics. Very first thing you do, get some butter or some oil, I think it's typically butter for French cooking, uh, in a pan, and you're going to put some onions, carrots, and celery. Cook that in butter. Yeah. Get the, get the, get usually the, the butter or oil or ghee or whatever is like what brings out the, the good stink in the aromatics. <laughs> Uh, and that is going to serve as like the base. Everything else that you add that you like, you know, supplement in on top of that is what sort of gives it the specific flavor that you're going to cook. But that like core, like depth of flavor comes from that. And across all French cooking, like it is almost like, uh, you know. Uh, a, a universal that these three things are going to be in it. Uh, those three uh, vegetables are also the same components of a sofrito, which is uh, in, in, in Italy, 
uh, the common aromatics that yeah, are used, yeah. uh, but they use olive oil. Uh, Latin, most Latin cuisines also have a uh, sofrito, but it uses garlic, onions, bell peppers, and tomatoes in olive yeah. oil. And then, of course, like the things that they supplement it with are different, obviously, than French and Italian cuisine, where you have things like uh, coriander and cumin. Uh, you have chilies, obviously, uh, paprika, wine, and and vinegar. Like the the stuff that you add on top of that that like really defines the flavor is is obviously different from culture to culture. But there's so many commonalities between just just those three things. Uh, then you get into like uh, Chinese dishes have an entirely different sort of sweet where you do have garlic, but then you get uh, scallions and ginger, of course. Yeah. Uh, always cooked in oil. And then you have the, the, the stuff you add on top of it, like five spice and star anise uh, and, you know, different kinds of chilies and shallots. Um, curry paste is also another sort of form of, of yeah. aromatics where you have this thing that the flavor sort of originates out of, uh, where you have shallots, garlic, and chilies is almost all for, for, for Thai curry. That is like the, the Holy Trinity for, for Thai curry. Um, uh, Cajun cuisine has its own thing where, uh, I forget specifically, I think it's, uh, I want to say onions, celery, and bell peppers, mm-hmm. um, and that is like the basis of a lot of different Cajun cuisine. Yeah. I love this idea that there are these like just sort of like first building blocks, the foundation that you lay down before you cook a dish. Yeah. I just kind of think about like laying out like a like a pasta or like a, a rice and then choosing which ingredients and that's like what country you're going to. Yeah. There's like a, a taxonomy, like a, 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 almost like a genealogy there yeah. of just like, well, I, you know, I'm going to cook this thing. I'm going to make a red sauce. I know that I'm going to put these same things in it that have always gone in it for like across across time and space yeah, and your body just like knows like oh this is what what nationality i'm eating right yes now. uh the the other things that i really like about aromatics is one it's always the thing that like when you are making something in the kitchen and i walk by i'm like oh that smells good it's always like i just start like it, uh-huh. what you are smelling right now is onions being sweated out in oil and maybe there's some garlic in there. Yeah, exactly. I've not done anything particularly fancy to them. What you're smelling <laughs> are these two stinky vegetables uh-huh. that I, I have made hot in oil. Uh, but like there's this Pavlovian response in my mind of just like, uh-oh, someone's cooking. Uh-huh. Uh, and on the same note, uh, and this is really the only other thing I have about aromatics, when you cook aromatics, that is the moment where I always feel like I'm cooking. <laughs> I'm not making some bullshit like, you know, I'm not making dirt cake with pudding and mashed up Oreos. <laughs> I'm fucking cooking. Yeah. I have chopped up. Look how ch- look how small I chopped up this garlic. Uh-huh. And now I have it in oil in a pan. I'm cooking like a big boy right now. Yeah, there's like a there's like a chemical reaction happening that you caused. That I made this is I'm yeah. really transforming this. I can put gummy worms in the dirt cake. And say that I'm cooking, but I'm really not making stinky vegetables hot in oil. <laughs> that's that's capital C cooking. I really want to cook some some onions right now. Well, you know, you were talking. We have onions. We have carrots. We have celery. Yeah. Um, we could really. We have butter. We could really get going. We could get something going, huh? Yeah. Let's figure it out. 
Okay. Maybe tonight, maybe I'll just go down in the kitchen, chop up them shits, put it in some butter, and put it in a pan without knowing what I'm going to do next. Ooh, that's exciting. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Uh-huh. What comes out of that would almost certainly be bad. You'd be like, are you adding Honey Nut Cheerios? <laughs> yeah, I panicked. It was getting so hot. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, hey, do you want to know what our friends at home are talking about? Yes, please. Heather says, something I think is wonderful is getting into a band that has a large discography. Recently, I've started listening to ELO, that's Electric Light Orchestra, uh, who've got a large catalog of albums and being able to deep dive into decades of music from the same artist is so good. Yeah. ELO is like the perfect one of those. ELO yeah. is like the one where I remember I heard uh, my former boss at, at uh, Polygon, Chris Grant, sing a song at karaoke and thinking like, man, that song beats ass. What is that? And every time I have that realization, it's always electric light orchestra. Uh, <laughs> the first time I heard telephone line, uh, I was like, man, this song, kick, who is this? And it's like, Oh, it's the Mr. Blue sky people. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Marcus says a wonderful thing that I've gotten into this past year is the sport of cricket. I only dove in after the Don Bradman Monster Factory, and it has been an ever-blooming rose that gets better and better. I've even found a team to play with in North Alabama. Oh, my gosh. I would like to learn how to do that. It is prof- It is wild it how arcane. It very complicated to me. Complicated isn't even the right word. I feel like it's maybe even easy to grasp the rules of it, but just the rules seem so wild. Yeah. Like so Calvin Bali in a way. Did you actually learn any of the rules oh, when you were no. doing? Okay. <laughs> no, I learned how to hit, the, I learned what button to press to hit the ball very far. And that seemed to make the points go up to a satisfactory level. So yeah, I just took that and, and ran with it. Thanks to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. Find a link to that in the episode description. And thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Yeah, thank you, Maximum Fun, for hosting our show and all the other great shows. I would really encourage you to check it out. If you are a parent that has been perhaps struggling with parenting during this time, One Bad Mother is is a solve, a uh, salve even. It's not a, it won't solve necessarily the <laughs> particular issue, but it is a, a salve. How do you say that? I Frickin don't know. Solve? I could split the difference and say solve. You just said it the same you know you just said it the same way. <laughs> I think it's sal- salve. Why can't we say this word? Well, it's not a word you hear very often in our lines of work, which are not Actually, medical. Actually, my dad was an apothecary. So, oh. yeah, he made a lot yeah. of unguents, a lot of poultices that he would rub on boils and what have you. Ooh. Okay. People get boils, Rachel. Sorry. Sorry, hashtag sorry, not sorry about these boils. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.